We're discussing digital transformation and servitization in the jet engine industry with Russell Masters, the Vice President of Digital Services at Rolls-Royce. Hi, Michael. It's fantastic to be here. Thank you for, thank you for inviting me and thank you for including me. Uh, and I'm, I'm so glad that we can connect. It's, uh, it's, it's just brilliant to be involved. Well, I must say, of course, Rolls-Royce is an iconic British brand. And tell us about Rolls-Royce and tell us about the work that you do. Yeah, thank you for that. I mean, you're right. We are a British institution, uh, but we're part of an amazing industry. So I'm sure most of your audience will know that, um, you know, whilst we started in the automotive industry, actually now we're um, designers and manufacturers of gas turbines and power solutions for a whole range of applications. I work for our civil aerospace business, so I spend all of my life thinking about aircraft, uh, powering flight, um, but also importantly, we provide services. And so we're here to provide um, power systems and services that support all of our airline customers around the world. Uh, and it's brilliant fun, both to be part of this amazing company and to be involved in, in digital services. Well, certainly people who watch CXO Talk are frequent travelers, and we all care about the part of an airplane that makes it move safely through the air. So tell us about jet engines and give us an overview of Rolls-Royce's work with jet engines. Historically, we think about that as a, a kind of an industrial and a manufacturing activity, but you know, as, as the aviation industry has grown and as customers demand and rely on air travel more and more, um, it's become an increasingly digital organization and a digital industry. And I'm really um, happy every day to be part of leading the digital organization that supports Rolls-Royce uh, aircraft in service. And so we've got two things that we do in my part of the company. Firstly, we manage all of the analytics and the applications that we use to deliver um, information and insight both to our teams and to our customers as they operate their fleet safely around the world. And then the other part of the job is to actually deliver digital services that all of our customers use as part of managing their fleets. And that ranges from um, tracking assets in real time to understand their health and how they're operating, to tracking the life that they've used and when they'll need maintenance, and forward forecasting all of the activity that we need to keep every single one of those assets uh, flying around the world safely, efficiently, and as reliably as possible. Um, and it's a huge privilege to be part of this organization and to lead an incredible team that do some amazing stuff every day. Give us a sense of the kind of complexity that's involved with the manufacturing, the maintenance, and the digital analytics around jet engines. Oh, it's, I mean, it's huge. I mean, just to get one of these um, one of these really complicated pieces of turbo machinery uh, designed and developed requires huge amounts of data, requires requires huge amounts of testing and collaboration across a, a supply chain and a manufacturing base that produces tens of thousands of parts at different places around the world. So, in the very early stages of a jet engine's life, we're using digital technology to test, to simulate, to measure and manage how that design is going to come together and how we think it's going to perform in the real world. And then, of course, that's just the beginning of the journey because once uh, once a new aircraft, a new engine enters into service, that asset's going to be with our customers for anywhere up to 25 or 30 years. And all the way through that um, you know, really long period of time, 
uh, it's going to need to perform flawlessly. So most of our assets will be on wing for you know five to six years at any one time. It might accumulate twenty or thirty thousand hours of flying before we do any kind of heavy maintenance. Yet every day it's taking off, uh, moving hundreds of people and thousands of tons of cargo around the world. And so um, tracking those assets, understanding how each and every one of those thousands of parts are working together, understanding the health of the asset, and then being able to plan, predict, and take action to keep it flying as long and as efficiently as possible um, is really, really important. So in fact, then Rolls-Royce is actually involved on an ongoing basis with the operation of these engines. Yeah, absolutely. We've moved more from a manufacturer of equipment to being a provider of long-term services. And so um, now it's very much the case that every single one of our customers has the option to not only buy a Rolls-Royce powered aircraft, but also take um, a whole range of supporting services, which will help them manage those assets uh, throughout the life, both in terms of how well they perform, the maintenance that they undertake, making sure that they're covered should anything untoward or any unforeseen um, events happen, and also helping them to manage them in the most efficient and sustainable way. All right, let's talk about the technology components that make this happen. Give us an overview of your platform and the the data components. We have a whole raft of products that we use to do that. We created what we call our Blue Data Thread service, and through that, we're able to connect to the aircraft performance and engineering data we need to drive um, our care services. And we do that through a number of methods, some of which is direct with us and some of it through service providers. All that data comes into our analytical platform. Um, so our intelligent engine platform, which is cloud capable and upon which we run a number of um, Rolls-Royce specific applications that we use to both model uh, aspects of performance and asset behavior and service, but also to forward forecast maintenance and other actions that we need. And then from that, we create actionable insight. And those insights are consumed by a whole raft of service delivery teams across our organization, each of those using a variety of digital tools and capabilities to do their bit of the job really efficiently and really well. And then of course, all of that needs to be shared directly with our customers. So it manifests itself in our customer portal and in the, the, the more consumer digital experience that our customers use to access our products and services. It sounds like data sharing in both directions is a fundamental aspect making this all possible. Absolutely. And data sharing is, you know, in an industrial setting is a really important uh, enabler to adding value. And it's almost critical. That's the lifeblood of industrial businesses is being able to get at and, and exchange data. And it's been a particular area that we've worked on, you know, incredibly hard over the last few years. Um, you know, fundamentally, a lot of this data belongs to the customer. It's their, it's their asset. How they use it, how they uh, operate it is, is fundamental to them. And so our whole kind of journey in data sharing and data services and data exchange has been about creating this trusted, neutral, very privacy-centric um, two-way connection with our customers. And, you know, their feedback is that they really like it and that it helps them to do a better job and it helps us to do a better job for them. I'm very grateful to IFS because they're making our conversation possible. And I know that you work closely with IFS. So tell us about that relationship. IFS is a fantastic company we've been working uh, with for, for quite some time now. Um, as we talked about, you know, 
in the earlier part of this discussion, you know, exchanging data is really important. What we want to be able to do is do it in a completely secure and trustworthy way. And one of the ways to demonstrate that is to use proven partners who've got a really good track record of, of data creation and data management. Um, and so we partner with people like IFS because that's you know very much in the spirit of creating this trusted data exchange with our customers. And so partnering with IFS has been a fantastic experience. We've been able to accelerate our journey uh, along the data exchange, data sharing um, development. Uh, and, and we really enjoy making use of IFS and others to help us build out this trusted data exchange. So IFS is a key part of your servitization journey. Yes, and as a as a you know a provider of services, you have to challenge yourself to think about where can you consume services and where can people do um, some of these jobs um, better than you can. And so, um, you know, given the choice between working with this really credible ecosystem of providers like IFS and others, or, or building this all yourself, you know, it's it's very compelling to be able to work with a group of partners who can help accelerate your time to market, you can help you um, achieve a better overall outcome and do it in a way that's better for our end customers. What kind of data are you collecting on these engines? So as you're doing the, the monitoring and you're this partner to the airlines, what are you looking at? Every day in every real, you know, real world situation, we're collecting uh, data about how each flight's performed, we're streaming that in real time, we're analyzing sometimes quite small packets of information using our current experience and engineering knowledge and our analytics capability to create lots of insight from actually relatively, in some cases, small amounts of data. So every time an aircraft takes off, we collect uh, snapshot data um, around how its pressures, temperatures, its speeds of the various rotating components within the engine, um, more information about its control system and how it's performing. And all of that data is being back to, to us here. We process that. Um, we can understand that in both in real time on a more periodic basis to understand how the engine is performing relative to how we'd expect. And from that, we can use that to detect um, situations and issues before they might happen. How does all of this feed into the Rolls-Royce business model? From the late 90s, we've been providing customers with long-term service agreements where um, instead of paying every time they have need of support, they pay uh, an ongoing uh, fee for every time they fly. And from that, we transfer a lot of the risk of managing the products, managing the maintenance to ourselves, and we take all that responsibility on behalf of the customer. And that's been transformational for us because what that's allowed us to do is to align our goals and our objectives and our incentives to that of the customer. So the one thing that we always want to do is we want the customer to fly on time whenever they need to. And so all of our service provision is, round, is built around doing that. Russell, how is this servitization approach different from the traditional historical relationship between a jet engine manufacturer and the airlines? Rolls-Royce kind of took this whole servitization of products into the aviation industry. And so um, Total Care were one of the was one of the first long-term service agreements that you could use to manage your fleet of aircraft. And it, it is a transformational process, going from being incentivized to provide a customer with parts when they need them, to thinking about how you can help that customer operate as efficiently as possible, to fly as, a, as, as often as they need to, and make the asset completely available. And it changes the mindset that you have, and it changes your thinking. 
it moves you to a mode of thinking about the asset throughout its whole life instead of how it is now. It incentivizes you to improve the product over time so it can be more reliable and it can perform in a, in a more uh, efficient way. So product with service and enabled by digital technology is really the foundation of our vision in this area. And it's the vision that we like to refer to as the intelligent engine. Russell, as I talk with experts on digital transformation, very often they say to me, you know, jet engines are an example of how transformation can change that relationship with the customer. And just drill down even further, how do the different relationships that you've established with your customer change your incentives to look at that customer more, more holistically and become a partner in their operating outcomes as opposed to, well, we supply you the parts. If you're just selling someone a product or a part, you know, that's quite a transactional relationship. It happens fairly quickly. It might happen a lot in a given year, but, you know, it's a kind of one-off thing. In creating a long-term service uh, and support agreement with a customer, in providing a long-term, you know, outcome-based service, you're committing to that customer for a long period of time. And some of our relationships, you know, much like uh, our assets that can last 25 years in service, some of our relationships are 25 years plus. And so when you, when you commit to a customer in that way, it requires you to act in a different way. Every single one of my team and the colleagues that I work with are tremendously committed to our customers. We know that we're an intrinsic part of our customer's operation and we know they rely on us. And that both makes the job enjoyable, it makes it rewarding, but it also gives it a really important purpose. And that's why having a wealth of service offering and service experience and having the digital capabilities and the analytical capability that we do gives us so many more tools and so many more ways to support our customer. And it's a, ma it's a massive enabler to, to helping live up to our, our commitments and our promise that you only deliver when you, when you create some sort of long-term service agreement. A lot of what you've been describing involves change and transformation of one kind or another. To what extent is culture change and managing this transformation a key part of what you're doing? It's a huge part. And, um, you know, effectively what we've got is, you know, we, we're a highly regulated, safety conscious industry. And safety always comes first for us. And it's the most important thing. And to a certain extent, having stability, uh, always doing things in a repeatable way is a massive enabler to creating really safe, really reliable products. Alongside that though, we want to create new things. And that means um, finding ways to uh, innovate and iterate uh, quickly, and then translate those back into a more production environment, whether it's a production service or production application or as part of our engineering or other processes. And so you have to learn to operate in these two different modes. So it prevent, presents a huge amount of challenges. And that's why pretty much uh, all of us within Rolls-Royce now are going through some sort of transformation, either at an organisational or a personal level, because we're learning what it takes to do you know, these really fast iterative projects, these more digitally enabled um, propositions, you know, while still delivering the reliable service that our customers need. How do you manage the tension between the need for safety, stability, processes that don't change on the one hand against the need to innovate on the other hand? One of the brilliant things about 
operating in a highly regulated environment. It gives you a, a framework in which to operate. It gives you some really good clear guidance on um, what you need to be airworthy. I mean, ultimately, a lot of the time when we're developing new services, it's, it's adding value in and around the operation of the product. So that gives us some, some kind of latitude and some areas to work in. I think it's also fair to say what we've tried to do is create pockets of disruption within our organisation. So groups who don't have to worry about um, maybe setting stuff up in a production way, don't have to worry about doing things the way we've always done it. So um, within our organisation, we have our R Squared Data Labs team. They provide a kind of disruptive force within, within the wider group. Um, they're given the licence and the remit and the freedom to try new things, use new technologies, be less respectful of the kind of the norms. It requires you to kind of operate with two, two halves of your mind. Um, and it's certainly something that, you know, we think we do really well, but we're always learning how to do better. Russell, Rolls-Royce has traversed this servitization journey. Can you share with us some lessons that you've learned that others might find helpful as, as they go through this process? I've personally had, you know, I've, I've been in the company a while, but not necessarily for the full, full extent of that journey. But I've learned a lot even during my time. We should all face up to the fact that we are needing to be more digital and more digitally aware. So if you are, you know, in a kind of team and you've got a day job, your responsibility, you really need to think about how could this be more digital and how could I learn about what the digital possibilities might be here. And as leaders, um, it's no longer the case that we can let the IT or the digital guy handle that uh, and then just come and like, talk to them when it's done. You know, we, we have to educate ourselves more, we have to become more conversant in the language. We don't have to be fully qualified enterprise architects or UX consultants, but we certainly owe it to the rest of the organisation, our teams, to learn more about how these technologies um, can affect and improve their lives and how we can exploit the opportunities. So I think it's remembering that customer, remembering where you're trying to get them to, and becoming more conversant in the, in the opportunities, the tools and the technology that are available to us. And that's a, that's a great place to start. If you can do those two things, you, you're, you're on to a winner. Okay, Russell Masters, Vice President of Digital Services at Rolls-Royce. Thank you for taking time to speak with us today. Thanks for including me. I've really enjoyed it. And um, you know, thank you for everybody uh, watching. <laughs>